The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm so debt. worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne and John Sestina. How are you guys today? Besides hot. Oh, is it hot? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Life is good. Things are well. Yeah. We've got ups and downs out there, but when you look at the bigger picture, man, it's a great day to be with you guys. Thank you. It's good to see you too. Yeah, definitely. And John, good to see you. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Notice you didn't return the compliments, (laughs) Stephen. We're going to get you fired up today, John. Yeah, I know you guys want to get me wound up here. Well, Well, last week I was out in sunny California. Oh, how'd that go? You didn't I, you do a speech it, out there? I did. I presented to a group of indiv- uh, sales group at a conference, about 40 to 50 people. It was really well. And I reminded them, I completely understand why people want to live in California when you're there. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I call it fantasy land with the surf and the sunshine and the low humidity. And then I look at the gas prices and I remind myself of taxation and there's a cost to be had, a cost you, of living. You and I should have pregame better for that because okay. we could go ahead and just say how much more valuable you are to those people. Okay. <laughs> Good financial planning in a high-tax environment is just that much more valuable. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to double your fees out there, Stephen. Right, yeah. Right, right, <laughs> Don't right, get right, many right. ideas, John. <laughs> right, but, but again, it was gorgeous, great week out there. And uh, But yeah, it is it is pricey. Um, gasoline, right, six six sixty. I think I saw on the... The station when I filled up the rental car, and that was a deal. <laughs> so, topics of uh, importance these these days is well, number one is inflation, right? Inflation um, last week was a pretty uh, eye opening <clears throat> report, eight point six percent for the month of May, uh, highest fastest pace of in- increase since December of nineteen eighty one. John, you were in your um, Entering your prime, I guess you're still entering your prime, right? But yeah. but nonetheless, you remember those days. Oh, I do dramatically um, any, remember any, those uh, days. Any flashbacks here? Lots of flashbacks. I mean, things were tough. You could, couldn't find anything to invest in then, so uh, we had to scrounge around to find some things for people to put money into that outside of bonds and stocks. But, uh, yeah, it was a tough market. You couldn't uh, buy anything without going broke. Right. Right, and, and, and that's where people are – again, I think the common uh, consumer uh, has been recognizing this for some time. And I, I, I personally, again, this is just my opinion, that the federal, Fed was a little bit late to the game. Very much. Um, because I could see it during the pandemic, 20% increase on beef. Then came some other products, and now it's hitting everything. And, I, you know, even with fuel prices, Tony, you know, the, the people are using Ukraine as an excuse, which is part of it. But their inflation is real across the board, not just with gasoline prices. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's almost a perfect storm, if you will. I mean, you pick one factor, then add four more to it, and that's how you get here. I mean, for perspective, though, I think it is good to think the last 10 years, the inflation average was 1.5% 
per year. Right. That's about half of the average for most economists. You know, you'd say it should be three to four percent. So it's catching up. Inflation's good, but not all of it hitting at once 10 years worth. The Fed, if they were doing their job a few years ago, probably should have been raising rates when times were good so that we would have a little powder if something bad happened. Here's the effect of the sugar high of all that stimulus, both on the fiscal and monetary side. Right. And and that's what a lot of people point to the, the war in Ukraine, where I'm, I'm like, it, it has more to do with, the as you said, the stimulus money, the $2 trillion, they, they just basically a big Amazon gift card to all the taxpayers, right? And people didn't have the opportunity to spend money. Well, get excited. They wanted to do more. That's a good point. They're trying to put through for more, another $5 trillion, Stephen. Is that on the docket? Yeah. Yeah. They're trying what, to push geez. it through now. Come what, on, What man. would happen then? Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure that would turn down inflation. Right. Yeah. And I know you're being sarcastic. Right? I am. And that's the problem is the stimulus packages trigger inflation. So if, if it is a, God, oh boy, five trillion, well, that would be scary. And we might be looking at 10, 15 percent rates. Can I be the bad guy for Please. a second? I mean, let's just say if there's a disparity in wages and, and over the last 10, 15 years, I mean, there's no arguing wages didn't keep up. So, I mean, that's some point. There is a point there. But, again, to have all of that hit at once with all these myriad of factors of the stimulus and the tax payments, all these things coming out to people and the unemployment at that time, I mean, you have all of this basically, um, I guess, sugar high. And all of a sudden, the person who the labor that they're doing probably doesn't correspond with what they're getting per hour. There's, there's a big problem there. And now the only way you fix that, and this is the hard part, and this is going to be hard for a lot of families that aren't prepared, is the unemployment line usually needs to be a little bit longer. And if that happens, that's how you drive down wages. And it's not what people want to see. It's, I mean, wages are a huge component of everything, every business. It's usually their biggest cost. So if that comes down because of more supply, it's actually healthy. And that's the bad part of this. The Fed doesn't want to say it. Politicians don't want to say it. If you can get this off of the sugar high and work the economic cycle again, then maybe things come back to normal. Right. Well, and be practical about our decisions. I mean, uh, what's driving all of this, I believe, is the uh, uh, oil. We don't ha- we're not uh, doing our oil. We have lots of it in the side. United States. Yep. And instead, you know, we shut down the pipeline first day. That drove drove uh, inflation immediately, and then the other trillion dollars or so that drives up inflation, and now we're catching up with it, Tony. We're we're choking on the sugar. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. I mean, it. Honestly, I think back to the Great Depression. Wouldn't that Federal Reserve Chair have loved to say, "Oh, let's just borrow our way out of this. <clears throat> right. Let's just not go through a depression. Let's just fix it because we can do that." Yep. That. It would have happened where you would have had a settling up at some point. And here's some settling up. And it's we, tough. It's yeah, rough. it is tough. And it, but it isn't. It's an ice bath on the overheated economy, right? And it's. I hate using the analogy, but it's the only one I really can think of. Is this, It's a self-induced coma. You almost have to increase the interest rates to just completely slow things down. Yeah, so much and activity. Reset, so and much energy. Reset. We need a full reset. Yep. Uh, but it is going to be painful. And that's the hard part. That's where the financial planning part we talk about comes in to play. And it's so important, whether it's asset allocation, whether it's having a cash reserve, whether it's not living to the maximum of your highest paycheck in your highest earning year, thinking that'll only continue, you know, to always leave a little bit of room and have some moderation. This is where in the financial plan, we can try to help deal with some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we could stop it immediately. 
How's that, John? Well, open up the oil wells. Yeah, that was. I think that would, because everything is driven by the trucks. You were out in California, and the gasoline was what seven dollars a Close gallon. Seven dollars, yeah. Okay, what was the diesel? I didn't pay attention to if that. If you look yeah. at the diesel, yeah. blow your socks off, and yeah. the same thing is true here. Everywhere you go, when Bobby and I were first married, and we had uh, a diesel car, and diesel was so cheap it was outstanding, and you went forever on a gallon of diesel fuel. Now. You can't do that. Diesel is more expensive than gasoline. Mm-hmm. And these poor truckers who are trying to make a living are shutting down. Mm-hmm. That's the. I think that's the major cause of our inflation right now is fuel. Everything moves by fuel. Everything moves by trucks, airplanes, and so forth. And that's the heart of all of this that's driving these. So I wouldn't want to cut back on the wages or lay people off or do any of those things. I don't think that's necessary. I think if you took control over the fuel... This would clear up in a matter of months. Well, the and, and the other side of it too is with the it's run by you know supply and demand. Here we are, supply is down with the conflict with Russia, the sanctions, and it's putting more pressure, increasing the price because the demand is higher. So if you could increase the supply in other areas of the world, i.e., North America, South America, it would help the situation. Well, we're coming up on a break here, and when we come back, we'll dig into little. Some other items such as interest rates and the investment markets. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. First segment, we we're talking about inflation. Now we're going to move on to the counter to inflation, which is interest rates. And uh, this week, the Federal Reserve increased the Fed fund rate 75 basis points. Pretty big jump. Uh, one The biggest jump since 1994. This, the purpose behind this is to hopefully to help tame inflation. And that's what we'll find out probably 30 days, maybe three or four weeks from now, where we'll get the next report for the month of June. Um John, what are your thoughts on the interest rate increase? It should have been higher. Right. right. It should have gone to 1% at least. You know, these try, uh, Powell's trying to imitate uh, uh, Volkler. Volkler. Volkler, yeah. Yep. And he did some radical things in my day. That was, things were jumping like crazy. If you wanted to finance a potato chip, it cost about $35, you know. <laughs> right, right. So it was, it was really, but that's helped slow it down. Yeah. And so right now we're just we have all the stops in and we're trying to play one note and get forward and we get we gotta go full force on the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And while I people are not being paid enough, they just aren't. Their wages they were a couple of years ago the way their wages the average person's wages were growing faster than executives. So that was a good deal, especially for the regular worker. See, I, I remember growing up, my dad was a coal miner. And I remember this when things like this would hit, and you had no food because mm-hmm. you had no money. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, well, did we have electricity? I don't think so. But nonetheless, it was a it's a difficult world for those people out there. And all these white collared folks are making these decisions like they're in a theater somewhere, but lives are at fault at risk now. Yeah. And these folks have to be a little more sensitive. Get out of Washington. 
Uh, one of the solutions would be to do away with Washington, D.C. <laughs> that would probably make a lot of people happy. No, I, yeah. What, I mean, seriously, have... It, Undo George Washington's idea? Yeah. His idea was to get out of Washington. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted, I believe that was... Wasn't that uh, Alexander Hamilton? He wanted New York. Of course No, I don't want yeah. anyone. Okay. I want a department in different states. Okay. So... Where, where would be logical place for the agricultural place to be? Midwest. What? Washington, right. D.C.? Right. Come on. And so on and so forth. So right now they're all feeding on themselves. And they're not thinking beyond what they learned in their textbooks. And that's not real life right now. Yeah. Any thoughts on the rate, rate increases, Tony? Um, more faster would have been better five years ago, maybe. I mean, you look at the charts. And under President Bush, we start there almost 2001, rates were almost 5%, you know, normalized, what we might consider normal. Then you had the Great Recession and the collapse and bond buying and quantitative easing, all that stuff, and it went down to about zero. We've had an economic recovery since then. The rate didn't go up with that recovery. Again, whether that's whoever politician or in the Fed, I mean, again, no one wants to necessarily say it's going to be more expensive to get a home middle-class American. That's not a popular opinion, but if they were doing this all along the way, we probably would have slowed this. And like John said, a 1% probably would have been off the table, but maybe now it's called for. And we, we've been doing this show for 10 years, and we are numerous times we talked about the interest rates having to increase them because that is the rudder that can steer the ship that is the U.S. economy. Well, let alone we think about all of our retirees. If you're a saver and you look at your checking or savings account and you're earning 0.01%, it's a direct incentive to take risk, risk that may not be appropriate. And now you see where, hey, I wanted to keep up. I wanted to keep up. And now when the markets turn the other way, well, now you're going down quicker. And right. if we had the ability or the incentive almost to say, well, maybe there is a decent place for cash or some bonds or these yields aren't at record lows, maybe that would have incentivized a little less risk-taking. And that's <clears> what, John, you've always taught me is yep. don't be greedy. And if you have enough and you know what your enough is, then you don't have to, oh, I'm only getting 0.01. Well, if it's enough, it's that's okay. fine. It's okay. Right. right. Yeah. That's my, yeah, just to see it. I, yeah. Well, and, and to your point, that 100%, right, even going into the pandemic, they dropped the, the rate to zero, but they waited too, way too long to start moving it upward. They, they, they were actually thinking that the consumer was spending money, but we all knew we couldn't go on vacation. We couldn't really travel as we did pre-pandemic. We couldn't go to the theater. We didn't dine out as much. We didn't do all those things most of society does. We were stuck in our houses collecting cash, and then the money shifted to housing. The money shifted to projects, and people thought they had more money than they really did, and I think the Fed was late to the game. Right. Well, and that's the balancing act, too, of what we talk about. And I, I keep relating it to what you've taught, John, but moderation, really. I mean, the idea of don't go to the extreme when things are good. Don't go to the extreme when things are bad. And seemingly right now, I think a lot of people might say things are bad. But, Stephen, you and I were looking at for perspective. I mean, when we looked and compared the markets to two years ago or five years ago, Things are still positive. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a little bit, right? And what what we're seeing with uh, the investment markets, but what we're seeing with the interest rates now is the treasuries, right? The 10-year treasury is climbing fast and furious, and it slowed down a few weeks ago. But then again, with the inflation number, uh, the rate increase, now mortgage mortgages are close 6%, hovering 6%. Right, for 30 years. For yeah. 30 years. So what's that going to do? All right. 
right? The cause and effect there. And when you look at some of these mortgages out there, I mean, people, we're going to be talking about points again. You probably haven't heard that term in a decade. I mean, why would you buy a point? A point is a discount point. You know, if my mortgage should be 6% and I buy a point, it's going to lower it from 6 to 5%. But you pay for it. You pay for it, oh, yeah. <laughs> but in normal, I'll say in the last 10 years, there haven't been a lot of incentive when the rate's 3%, 2 and a quarter, 4 maybe. No one's, or very few people were incentivized to say, let me buy a point. Let me lower that. We're coming back to that time where you at least may want to do that math. You know, there is a cost to that, like you said, Stephen, but with these rates going up and jumping so highly, you've got to know your terminology. So let me ask you this question. Why do we need the Federal Reserve. To keep the dollar strong? Keep the dollar strong? Isn't yeah. it strong? Well, I mean, there, when you say that, you can, I mean, what, what are I, you I, I know, you watched Hamilton, and he was the one who wanted it, right? Well, I mean, it, well, it makes yeah, us not no, Europe. I, We're not a collection of little Austrias. We have one big country yeah, it's, sort it's of the, not the you know, oversight, divided. Right, it's the oversight of the fiscal monetary policy, I guess, of the country, though, isn't it? it I mean, that's what, the way I would look at it. Yeah, what do you price, get at here, John? Price stability, wage stability. That's their mandate, at least according to the book. And neither of which they do or have not, done. Not the last five years. Not the last five so. years. See, part part of what's happening is we're get, we've gotten so big that there are agencies and groups and even the Fed who are created just because. You know, well, we ought to do this, we ought to do that. And so they create something, another bureaucracy, as it were, and that slows everything down, puts more uh, obstacles in your in your steps, and you can't go as fast or as far. And so we're, we're sitting here talking like the Fed is some god or something. It really isn't. It is pretty powerful, though. It's only powerful because of what we're letting it do. Sure. Okay? But, but nonetheless, it's there. It's there. I remember back there, in the 90s, late 90s, there. where Greenspan, I think he was on Time Magazine or Newsweek, and it said the most powerful man in the world, yep. Alan Greenspan. Oh. I was like, I was dumbfounded by it, but then I, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess real quick on a geopolitical side, John, without those central, I mean, think about all the wars that have been caused by central banks or the lack of. Yeah. I mean, you might want some stability there, but like you said, they probably went too far. They certainly did. Too big. And do you think, I think it, I feel it intertwines with politics too much now. Oh, for sure. Right. It's, they it, used to it, be it, neutral. It should be. They it really should, should right. be neutral. It should always be neutral. And the, I felt it used to be neutral. And again, going back to Alan Greenspan, I remember when he, he uh, muffled George Bush and said, no, you can't talk about us. We, we are our own independent agency. So um, it is what aren't. it is, but they aren't anymore. <laughs> so here we are. So we're coming up on a break. When we come back, we're going to dig into the investment markets. That's been everyone's hot button here lately. So tune in. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is fellow certified financial planner, Tony Payne and John Sestina. Today's show, we're dedicating towards basically maneuvering through this current economic uh, turbulence, and we're going to continue this discussion with investments. Uh, but before we do that, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and company, you can look us up on, on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. And uh, there's a contact us, click that button, look at the information. And uh, if you're interested in a consultation, please let us know. 
All right, guys. Um, despite the second day, everyone's learned what inflation really is and how bad it can be, right? We've talked about it for decades, and you know, everyone sort of like yawned at it. Inflation. We started warning them months ago. Yeah, yeah. Right during the pandemic, I remember we, yep. we talked about heavy inflation. Here it comes when they announced the two trillion dollars. I remember John went between. I'm sorry, between yeah. Janet Yellen and Warren Buffett. John went with Warren Buffett, and it yep. looks like they were right. With what? Inflation not being a temporary right. short-term thing. Right. I mean, when Warren Buffett Transitory said he saw it real, word, right? yeah, she and she's going, "Hey, it'll be gone in a couple months." Yeah. I mean, the business person was right, yeah. not the bureaucrat. Yeah. Right. Here to John, everything you've been saying today. Oh, thank you, Tony. Well, I got to give you a little bit here. <laughs> all right. Well, well, again, going back to the investment markets. All right, it's looking dire, John. Right, your people are worried and people are. Uh, concerned, and I I like pointing out. I looked up this information over the last five years, from this week, go back five years, S and P five hundred. What would you get? Any guess on what the re- positive return on the S and P five hundred? We're still above where we were five years ago. Right. Would you want to harbor a guess, or just let me tell you? Sure, tell me. All right, fifty percent. Fifty percent up. Up. Yeah. All right. So d- as bad as we've just been through here in this last call it a year, nine months, we're still up 50% from five years ago. That's 10% per year average. I'll take it. You bet. Right? Tony? Steven, your math is, darn it, the fact's getting away sometimes. <laughs> I hate this. I was trying to sell this doom and gloom stuff, and right. you're bringing us back to reality and the big picture. And, and again, if you're opening your statements and you're going from month to month or year to date, you are going to see some dramatic numbers depending upon how you were invested. But what you're saying is, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. And then, again, the other side, too, is when are you going to need that money? When are you going to take that money out? So when we talk about things are cyclical, keep that in mind, too, because like you're saying, Stephen, if we look back five years, things still look pretty good. Sure. And the NASDAQ is up 74 percent, which is about just under 15 percent annualized. Oh, you're making this up, Stephen. Right? Come I, on. I'm sorry. I have these facts. I don't know about facts. So. Now, if you told us, this crew who was doing this show in 2007 and eight, that that would have been the case, we might have even challenged 17 that. And 18. We're right? in the wrong decade. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going back even further. I remember right, right. us doing Seven the show back then. Yeah. But yeah. It, you it, remember it, that. It yeah. plays to the point we're really always making investing is a long term proposition. Yes. And you can't be looking at your statements every week and have an agita because that'll, you get a heart attack and you have to go to medical school or something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like even looking going back to 2008 and you show people the volatility and, and some of some of them, their response is, well, "I'm glad we weren't watching it every day." Right. But now you look in hindsight, you're like you laugh at it. But here we are, and and again, it is by decade, right? If you're in your 40s or 50s, it's it's not as painful. When you're 60, 65, you start to watch at, and you worry, should uh, I retire? Uh, um, not retire? Uh, um, what? I'm 80. Well, how do you? <laughs> right. So when you're in your 70s and 80s, you might be, you might actually be in an okay space because you might have more cash, but inflation's killing you right now. Um, yep. So I think it, also the emotions run at where you are in your cycle oh. of life, right, of, of whether or not your income years. You're hitting one of my triggers, you know, the behavioral finance yes. part, the emotion part. It's quite amazing. 40% up just doesn't feel as – I guess the comparing the feelings, 40% up feels good, but it doesn't feel the same way that down 20% feels. A down and a recent down just emotionally feels so much. You feel it so much more. But like you said, if you go back five years and look at that number, 
it's easier to dismiss, I think, for a lot of people because they're in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And that's where we try to take the emotion out of it and go back to the facts like you did. Well, you're exactly right, Tony, because the, the negative always sells. That's what I say. Negative sells. Optimism wins. And so negativism is easy. You feel the pinch right now. People hate to lose anything. You lose your pencil. You get upset. Uh, lose your phone. You get lose upset. Your power. Yep. Right. We lost our power this week, right? You, you did. You lost your a power. A lot of our people. A lot uh, of people lost their power. They did. So whatever you lose uh, is more painful than whatever you win. It just is amazing that way. So you win the lottery. Maybe if it's big enough, you'll be excited. But if you keep losing, you won't be excited. Right. No. It's but it's so. I don't know. We have to say it out loud sometimes. I think people agree with it and they feel that and they nod their head. But to say it out loud. Wins just don't feel the same as losses. The magnitude isn't there. Just remember that as your opening statements are going through this. Yep, and as you invest, average, average in. Dollar cost averaging still works. That's the best, and that's why the 401K, 403Bs are your best tools because you really can't control. It comes out of your paycheck. As long as you have that paycheck coming in, the money goes into the 401K and gets invested. Exactly right. It's blind investing, and it's done the most efficient way. Yep. So – uh, the other thing now here, too, is a little bit about the economy. John, you mentioned this, and I'm I'm a little concerned right now because um, I didn't hear anything about this potential stimulus package of $5 trillion not happening. The BBB plan, he's still pushing it. Okay, he's yeah, still- okay. But I, I almost fe- I feel that I would hope logical heads prevail to say we can't we can't do this i know all right john don't stop laughing at me i have faith sometimes but um i just i don't see that happening because again it would trigger more inflation heavier inflation and we and interest rates when, when are we going to go 20 percent interest be. rates right yep good. so i i just don't know i don't know if that's going to be a viable option because i do feel a recession is I think we're in one right yeah, now, happening. personally. Right. The Fed, we're in the middle of one yeah. right now. We get a negative GDP this quarter, and here we are. It's a recession officially. Well, well, and to Tony's point, the wages are down, so that's part of the recession as well. Mm-hmm. So, yep, we are. So you don't see a V-shaped recovery. People love throwing out that word. It's going to be a V-shaped recovery. Well, we had one, but we did. We did not now. We're, uh, you say these people are logical. Look what all they've done in the last nine months that was totally illogical. Okay. And they just acted blindly ahead, even when uh, their advisors were telling them differently. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I, I literally have no confidence in the politicians. Okay. So if they say jump, I lie down. Okay. <laughs> Tony, what do you think about this recession, recovery? Where do we go here from here? Well, is it a V? Is it a W? Is it a double W? <laughs> I mean, it, it just, right? I'm going to say it again. I yeah. love economic part of this, and it, it is. It's the bigger picture. Families are here, and they matter, and the individual is what matters in this planning stuff. Yep. But from the macro side, this is all cyclical. We've got to be able to plan ahead. We've got to have cash reserves. We've got to not live maxed out. We've got to not buy more house than we could afford. We've not got to count. We have to not count on our income always going up because things are cyclical. You know, again, when you go from peak to trough, that's the economic term, from the high point to the low, that's just cold economics. In the middle, things like what are happening are happening. People lose jobs. Wages go down. 
things are more expensive. But that's all part of the cycle. And if you can ride out the cycle, well, then there's another WW coming. There's another peak coming. But the trick is you have to be able to ride that out. And if you know where your stuff is and you know where you're at in a neutral time, I think it's a lot easier to ride it out when things get a little hairy. Yeah. Are you trying to be logical, Tony? You've taught me what? Well, I, uh, hope, I hope I'm following uh, your Well, lead. you know, we've, we've, we've been saying this for how many years now? Oh, 50 years. <laughs> yeah. I've been saying it. And that's the truth. If you have your cash reserve, you haven't overspent, you're not buying that house you can't afford or the new, new car to impress your neighbors, go steady Eddie and you should, you, you may struggle. Again, my family struggled a lot because he didn't have any money, but uh, you may struggle, but you can come through it. Great. Well, we're here at another break. Uh, we'll come back for the last segment. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. I'm your host, Stephen Lucan. Last segment here, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about debt management to start uh, with rising interest rates. Uh, what what should consumers and people trying to build their financial plan worry about here? John, let you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, cash flow, we've always harped on that. Tony, you've done the best job of talking about it all the time. Cash flow management is the key to financial planning. And you have to start there. And part of it is the reality of where you are. I always talk about the income cycle. And whatever you earn, that's what it is. There's no more, there's no less. And you have to fix that if you're not happy with it. Either get another job or have three jobs or whatever is necessary. And then uh, some people will tell you, get two jobs, pay off all your debt, get on your feet. And I'm not against that. So you got to get out of debt. All right. In these times, if you were out of debt right now, say you did not have your house mortgage and a car loan and a refrigerator loan and whatever else is out there, You'd be feeling a lot better. Sure thing, right? Your only obligation is taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that'd get you. <laughs> Tony, what are your thoughts with debt management? Uh, here real for quick, consumers? though, on that okay. note, I love that point, though, because again, I hear so much of have a paid off house, which is neat, but then you still have the darn property taxes and insurance and the maintenance. So when you're planning ahead, even if you have that paid off house, you've got to plan for when that roof's going to be due, when that driveway is going to come in, because if you don't have that income and you've been paying for those extras with your income, income and it's not part of your retirement plan, you're going to come up short. Yeah. Um, but again, back to the debt management side, I mean, you, what you guys are saying is so true. And at the same time, just taking the lens back a little, John, you always told us, I mean, your first mortgage or one of them was 20, 22%. No, 13 and a half percent. Oh, 13 and a half. Oh, you got, got a good deal. deal. deal oh, I did. It was a great yeah. deal. Okay. Yeah. Well, even at 13, I think for most people, that's just gag worthy oh, it yeah. sounds so traumatic compared to two three four percent but the idea is if you need a house you're going to buy that house so what the interest rate is almost won't matter it's going to slow the bigger economy but when you think about how much house can i afford well you're going to afford less house because more is going to interest right but the the monkey wrench in your comment is when people are have to move so people have a really good mortgage and now they have to maybe relocate or they're for whatever reason, they have to move. Now they're going to be selling a property at now in a cooler housing market 
and buying another structure at now if you have a mortgage, what interest rate are you going to be at? And then theoretically, if you're doing apples to apples comparison, you're going to be buying a, if it's affordable, a much smaller house. And that's going to be a big challenge for people is, are you going to be stuck in your current house because you can't move for that reason? Yeah, depending on right. how much the market softens, right? I yeah. mean, we've seen it where we kept talking about Florida, and that was the hot spots for so long, and the bidding wars, the cash bidding wars. Again, there was a reason why banks are against that and why we might be too, because when you're paying way more than what the appraised value is for that house, you're leaving yourself a lot of room for things to go down. Yeah. And if you bought that house for 650 and now it's 450 there's 200000 That's real money of a negative. And what you're saying, Stephen, you might get less for that, and you're going to have a higher rate. Right. And you might, or you might just be stuck. And then again, what happens if you do lose the job and you can't make the payment? So this is very, we're on eggshells here, I think, with the employment numbers, with the housing market, with the debt management. I think this is going to be a critical piece on how this recovery we talked about. Is it U-shaped, V-shaped, W, whatever, but is this recovery is going to be on the liquidity of the consumer and the ability to manage debt? Well, we, we've had experience with this. Okay. Remember uh, when there was this great housing bubble mm-hmm. not too many years ago, and uh, people were buying all these houses, et cetera, and overbuying, and then things changed. They lost their jobs, and they wanted to get a, get a job in another state. They couldn't move because yeah. they had a mortgage, and nobody would buy the house. So they were stuck with it. So we've seen this before. Yeah. Of course, you know my feelings about a house. Yep. Not an investment. Not an investment. And be very careful when you think about it. I mean, today I've got like 16 working people at my house doing stuff. I don't okay. even know what they're doing. Right. But there's a cost involved, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get the invoices next right, week. Right, right, right. So, all right, good. So we, let's go ahead and switch topics because I, I read an article uh, just today that I thought was uh, poignant to what we're talking about yeah. with Social Security. All right, we're talking heavy inflation, and one of the, the cost of living adjustments riders is with Social Security. Every year, I remember historically in the last 10, 15 years, you get 1%, 2%. John, you're getting big raises. Yeah. But congratulations. <laughs> Next year, eight yeah. point, it's projected to be 8.6%. All right. I can buy a cup of coffee. There you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's inflation as to what the government is telling us, not the real inflation number, which lies within your spending. Where do you spend your money? How much more does it cost today than it did last year? So that's how you should measure inflation. Tony, any other thoughts with the cost of living adjustment? I, I try not to go there on the politics side, but I can't help it today. I just saw a tweet from last year. It was the administration bragging about the average cost of Fourth of July dinner was down 16 cents. Yeah, okay. the hot dogs. I am are very curious if there's going to be a similar tweet, tweet this year, this year right? of the increase. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what we're talking about, though, it's those that are on the lower end of the economic spectrum or don't have that income flexibility that are hurt the most when a basic necessity like chicken or gas goes up. You know, housing, people don't buy that all the time. Education, health care, those can be a little separate, a little. But for a lot of seniors, those are the main things they're paying for. Right. And that's where it really hurts, depending upon where you're at. Well, last year, Social Security was up. I think the increase was 5%, but then Medicare, I think, was up 8%. Medicare in, it, premiums increased greater than the, Medicare uh, than the Social Security yes. benefit. and. Okay, great. Eight percent is good, but what's Medicare? What are you going to get hit with this year, John? Well, I <laughs> I just got my bill for my uh, what do you call it? Supplemental. Supplemental. 
and it was $4,000 for me and $4,000 for Bobby. Yeah. That's a supplemental. When we first started getting that, uh, however many years ago, it was like under $1,000. Mm-hmm. Now it's $4,000, and I'm sure going up. So we're going to see a lot more of that. It gets very costly, and some people are really struggling with medical debt. I think we, we may be talking about that later. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, the government is saying that this increase, for example, may cause Social Security to uh, spin out more quickly. Yeah. You know, and I don't know about that. Yeah. But to your, you mentioned here uh, medical debt, right? We, we hear a lot of talking, political talking points on student loan debt. This medical debt, well, that was an alarming. A hundred million people in the U.S. live with medical debt. Yeah. That's, that's something I'd rather attack that than student loan debt. Amen. Right. I mean, a medical situation is awful and reading the statistics on it, I was a little alarmed by it. Um, cause it's, it's a painful process. One, you're not healthy. It can't work. And now you have your burden with all this medical debt and it's not forgiven. It's mm-hmm. unexpected. Yeah. And, uh, you'll be hindered to be able to pay the debt because you're not feeling well. Yeah. Or it may get more complicated. You need more surgeries or you need more whatevers. Terrible situation to be in. What a spiral. But yeah. we're here and we're talking this planning stuff because if we are in the middle of this cycle, we can get our way out of it. Yep. That's what cyclical means. And we just have to be prepared, take control, manage your own plan, and we're going to make it. Are yeah. you talking about managing to be wealthy? Managing Tony? Yeah, to be wealthy. you got it, John. I should have went with the tagline. Good times and bad. Yep. Right? It's true. I mean, and it's part of it. It's Peaks true. and valleys, strikes and gutters. I mean, yeah. it, it happens. You've been um, here for 60 years doing this, John, or 50 plus at least, and you've seen some cycles, and we're still here. Yep. So, uh, well, that's it for today's show. Good topics of conversation, and, and hopefully we are in the middle of the uh, cycle and we're on our way up. So thank you f- to everyone for tuning in and tune in again next week. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.